Gracious God, our Father, King of all the ages, there is none like you in all the earth. Lord God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord God. Let everything I say be from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. For the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about Christmas Jesus. All right. All right. Amen. Christmas Jesus. I like quite a few things. I like technology. I like video games. I like <coughs> hip-hop music. I like movies, particularly either action movies or comedy movies. If somebody's not getting beat up in it or I'm not laughing, I'm probably not going to go see it. <laughs> I'm just being honest. And one of my favorite comedic actors is Will Ferrell. And Will Ferrell had this movie called Talladega Nights where he played a NASCAR race driver by the name of Ricky Bobby. And Ricky Bobby was a pretty successful race car driver. If you ain't first, you last. And uh, he's in his nice house with his children and getting ready to bless the food that they're about to eat. And he bows in prayer and he says, Dear tiny Jesus, with golden fleece diapers and your tiny fat balled up fist. And his wife tries to interrupt him and says, You know, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to pray to the baby Jesus. And Will Ferrell says, I like Christmas Jesus best when I'm saying grace. So he insists and continues his prayer, dear eight pound, six pound newborn infant Jesus, not even knowing a word yet, just a little infant, so cuddly, but still omnipotent. Thank you for your power and grace, dear baby God. Amen. And that was how he blessed the food. Uh, we might laugh at Will Ferrell, but the truth is I would say that some of us prefer a Christmas Jesus too. We love to sing the Christmas carols, talking about a way in a manger. No crib for the bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. We get excited about poinsettias and garland and decorating a tree and singing all of these songs about Christmas Jesus and having these Christmas cantatas and people dressing up like the, the wise men coming to visit the baby Jesus and singing about the little drummer boy. And, and we like to sing Old Silent Night, the Temptations version. Uh, when we hear Dennis Edwards say, in my mind, we get excited. Uh, the, we like to sing about it, but it's still talking about that round yon virgin, mother and what? Child. Holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. 
sleep. We like that Christmas Jesus best. But I would submit to you that I think that Christmas Jesus is a bit of a knockoff. Uh, not a fake version, uh, that's the, but, but, but something that's just a little bit off. Looks almost like the original. But the problem with knockoffs is that when you focus on the knockoff, you take your attention away from the original, genuine article. Uh, see, if we focus too much on the manger scene, we'll forget that he was the Messiah. If we focus too much on the story of the shepherds, we will forget that he came to be our savior. We say that Jesus is the reason for the season, but I wonder just exactly what Jesus do we have in mind when we said that. Am I finna mess up y'all Christmas? <laughs> My bad. My bad. Uh, I was reading an article in New York City. It was about New York City, and there's a, the, there's a battle going on between designers of the high fashion clothing and the manufacturers who create the knockoffs. A designer dress will cost you up to $750, while a quality copy can be purchased for $260. One of the creators of the knockoffs did an interview in a magazine not too long ago uh, 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 in, in uh, 2007, but she said if she saw something on style.com, all she'd have to do is email the picture to her factory and say, I want something similar. And her factory would work fast and they would turn on a knockout, a knockoff, sorry, sometimes before the original article could even make it to market. Is this a problem? Uh, some people say no. Uh, some designers are ridiculously expensive. You're paying $750 for a dress, that will bust your Christmas budget. Uh, but why pay $300 for designer jeans when you can get something that looks similar for $30? They're trying to extend copyright protection to clothing so that good designs won't be stolen. But until that issue is resolved, knockoffs will be big business. Yes. Did you know that there are computer programs out there that all they need is a picture of the design and they can create a copy of it? And then they, though, sometimes they can turn this around in two weeks. And sometimes it looks real great, but other times it doesn't look great. And the challenge I would give to us as Christians on Christmas is that we need to be able to separate the knockoff from the genuine article. We don't want the dear tiny Jesus in a golden fleece and diapers to distract us from the one who is the son of the most high God. The, the, the story of the angel Gabriel visiting Mary is a glimpse into something about the real Jesus. And you can tell by the authenticity of the presence of the brand names, a uh, favorite one, Emmanuel. Jesus, son of the most high, servant of God. That's how you know this is the real thing. 
Uh, the angel comes to visit Mary and gives her a salutation. Mary receives a, a heavenly visit in the, from a messenger, and that messenger's name is Gabriel. Gabriel is appearing to a virgin girl in Nazareth. Mary, who is, some say, some translations will say uh, promised to, and some translations will say engaged, and some translations will say betrothed. But this is the thing. He is engaged to Joseph, a, a, a carpenter. Uh, and they are betrothed, and, and, and betrothed is a better description of what's going on here. Uh, betrothal during that time was a binding agreement. Uh, it was more than an engagement, but not quite necessarily a marriage. And, 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 and during this time, it was close enough that if there was a betrothal that needed to be broken off, there had to be a divorce that had to happen. Uh, so these things, when they, by the time that Mary had been promised to Joseph, there was, a, there was an agreement in there. And then and according to the ancient customs, these agreements are set up by the father. And so they'd have been set up by the father, and then she would have lived with her father for a whole nother year. And then the husband would come to take her home after that year. And those wedding celebrations would last up to a week long. This wasn't no fly-by-night proposal. There were negotiations that had to happen. There was time that had to be spent together. So Mary and Joseph would have gotten to know one another over this time, and it was binding. If Joseph would have died during this betrothal period, Mary would have been considered a widow. So there was something behind it. But the, and because there was something behind it, when this angel comes up and tells her that she's going to be pregnant during her betrothal period and the father of the baby is not going to be the man she's supposed to marry, that could be a problem. Uh, and we don't they don't touch it and touch on much of it in Luke, but but in Matthew there's there's more to the story when they tell the story. And actually, when Mary gets pregnant, she's away from Joseph for three months, going to visit her cousin. I can only imagine being engaged to somebody and they go see their cousin for three months and the text says that Mary was found to be pregnant. What does that mean, Pastor? That means she was showing. You went to your cousin's house and you came back with a lot more than some souvenirs. Uh, she's being... She's, she's not thinking that this is in graceful. This betrothal period, this is something, she has something to lose. She's on, the, she's on the precipice of gaining some sort of status. There are some things I don't agree with, and there are some things I just wish wasn't, had happened. But during that time, women were essentially property. And that's why the Bible says that true religion was to take care of widows and orphans because during that time, widows and orphans could not earn for themselves. And the only way you'd be able to earn is if you married somebody that was capable of earning. So she's on her way to, us, to us stepping up her status, and here comes a monkey wrench in the plans. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Yeah, so we have this messenger giving this message, and it's Gabriel's assurance. He comforts Mary, letting him know that, letting him, letting Mary know rather that she has found favor with God. Why would Mary have been scared? 
uh, along with the possibility of losing her status. But in the text, he hasn't even told her what's supposed to be happening. He just said, greetings, Mary, uh, and and, um, said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you, and that's enough for her to be scared. Um, Why would Mary be scared? Well, there is an apocryphal story. Uh, And when I say apocrypha, since I'm ruining everybody's Christmas, I'm going to keep on ruining it. There are books out there that they say we, quote, unquote, took out the Bible. You didn't take these books out of the Bible. You can go to any Christian bookstore and find all of these books in the Bible. It just depends on what version you purchase. Well, one of those things in those apocryphal versions is there's a story about a, uh, in the book of Tobit about a woman named Sarah who keeps getting married. And every night, every time she gets married, the night of the wedding, a demon comes and kills her husband. And so that story had been out during this time because this is the, where, where the, most of the apocryphal books are written between the timeline of the last book of the Old Testament and the first book of the New Testament. So she would have known and heard this story. And so married women at that time that were pregnant didn't want to see no supernatural visitation. They didn't want no celestial, angelic, or demonic being coming to see them while they were pregnant or while they were about to get pregnant because any time somebody was coming to see them, that was bad business. And so that's what was going on. But Gabriel was reassuring to her. Uh, He was reassuring and told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. His announcement is that Mary is going to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah whose kingdom will reign over Israel and will never end. And the reason why I put the take out in the air quotes when I say it is because they weren't really taken out. Most of these books that were written were written three and four hundred years afterwards and not by people who were actually walking and talking with Jesus. We can can give credence to the gospel according to Mark because the gospel according to Mark was written by John Mark and John Mark walked with Peter. Same thing with Luke. He was there, and John Mark was about 40 to 50 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then Luke and Matthew came about 50 years after, and the gospel, according to John, came after that. But all of those was in a time period. But when you have these other Gnostic gospels that came out, they came out three and 400 years after these other texts in the Bible were written. And they were written by people who weren't there, who did not walk with the disciples. So it's not like you're taking it out. You're, putting, you're trying to put something in that never had any business being in it in the first place. Ah, and so those things are going on, and so he's telling them, and the reason that I bring that up now is because the reason the books that made it in made it into the restricted list, also known as a canon, is because they were here to tell a story. And the Old Testament was to tell us how we got here, and also go through the lineage of the people, because the, the Messiah that was supposed to be coming was supposed to be the root and the offspring of David. What's that mean, Pastor? It means that he's there before David was ever born, but he's also a descendant descendant of David. Mary was not the descendant of David. Joseph was the descendant of David. And so these things, he's coming and he's going to be the descendant of David. But because he was there in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. He's also the root of it. And so when we look at these books, they're going through a line. They're going through the line of the lineage of David and letting us know all the things that these people did. It's also showing us some of these prophecies that had to 
happen. And he was going to be born of a virgin. He was going to be from Bethlehem. He was going to be hidden in Egypt. He was going to be the root and the offspring of David. And so all these other texts are showing us these things. The Bible is here to show us that Christ came for us, how he came through this line, what he did when he was here, and what we're supposed to do afterwards. Ah, and so he's telling them that this is this is the Messiah whose kingdom will reign over Israel and never end. He's fulfilling a prophecy, one that was read a little bit in your hearing when, when, uh, when Reverend Walters read the Old Testament reading from 2 Samuel. Both the angel and the Nathan uh, in 2 Samuel told these people, these women, that they were going to have some sons and their sons were going to be great. Uh, that name Yahweh name, name means Yahweh is salvation. And when it talks about a kingdom without end, it's not talking about a dynasty in the physical sense. It's, it's a dynasty in the spiritual sense. Yeah. Jesus' kingdom is the one who was and is and is to come, and it will not end. Ah, and so we have this message that Gabriel gives, and from this message we have some mystery. Let the church say mystery. Yes, um, being a virgin, Mary is perplexed, wondering how something like this could be accomplished. There is a prophecy of a virgin birth. And there I'll get the, the super scholars out there that talk about the the uh, Septuagint and all of these translations and they'll bring up that, you know, virgin, it didn't actually say young, virgin, it actually said in the translation of the Greek before it got there to be young woman. I don't too much get into those kind of debates, but young woman and virgin are synonymous to me. And so we have this mystery that goes on in the mystery and it tells them the method and the method is that Gabriel tells her that the Holy Spirit will father the baby. And we go from a mystery to a method of being impregnated by the Holy Spirit to a miracle. Mary now learns that her relative is now six months pregnant. Elizabeth is six months pregnant. No matter what you are going through, there is always somebody who's been through it as well. There is always somebody who's going through the situation and that you can have that kind of accountability and hold on to. I'm reminded of a story about a man falling in a ditch. And then and, and one person came by and said, oh, well, I'll pray for you and I'll pray that you'll get out this ditch. And the next person came by was a pastor, and the pastor wrote some scriptures down on the paper and said, declare your strength in the Lord. God's going to bring you out. And he kept running. And then the person that came, the next person that came in the ditch was one of his friends. And instead of dropping some prayers down in the ditch, instead of throwing some scriptures down in the ditch when he fell, he got in the ditch with him. And his friend said, man, what are you doing? Why are you coming down here? Now it's two folks stuck in this hole. And he said, be quiet, man. I've been in this hole before, and I know how to get out. Sometimes you need somebody there who has been there with you and able to get these things out. And so now Mary has somebody to go with her, although her child will be born. It'll be known as John the Baptist. It'll be six months older. But you know that because this Elizabeth, who was barren, was unable to have children, and now she's having children. 
uh, 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 that you know that God is in the miracle working business. Ah, how can we believe that God is creator of everything and don't believe that he can make a barren womb give birth? How can we believe that somebody's going to take over our soul and make sure it's in heaven for eternity and we can't believe that some sort of miracle can happen like Mary's birth? Is there anything too hard for God? If there is, then that which we call God is not God. Ah, and so we have this salutation that Mary was given in the greetings. You are highly favored. And, and from the salutation, we get submission. Let the church say submission. submission. Ah, she says that I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to accept whatever he wants. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary takes a deep breath and then makes a stunning leap of faith. Here I am. The servant of the Lord and let me be according to your word. I am the Lord's servant, the text says, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary says yes to what God wants to do in her life. And it's because of her decision she's listed as the favored one, willing to put her complete trust in God. She calls herself a servant of the Lord. And because she does that, she becomes a model, an example for us to follow. Uh, Mary put a lot on the line. I said earlier in the sermon that women during that time, jo Mary was essentially Joseph's property. By law, her being pregnant by somebody other than the man that she was betrothed to, he could have by law took her into the street had her publicly disrobed and stoned to death. But she was willing to put all of that on the line to do what God had in store for us. Uh, so if that means if we are going to follow an authentic Jesus, we got to realize that we got to be a servant of the Lord. And that means finding the Lord's favor through faith, believing that God is always with us, even when our family is not with us, even when our friends are not with us, even when they're not with us on the job, even when they're not with us day to day. We have to be willing to say that I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. Mary did all this by beginning to say yes. If we would just say yes sometimes, God would make move these mountains when we see a whole row full of mountains. If we are willing to say yes, God is able to move those mountains. Mary's taking a big risk by doing this. And anything else would be just a knockoff. Is there anything too hard for God? A barren woman can give birth. A virgin woman can give birth. God can put on flesh and live a human life. Dead people rising from the grave. Nothing is impossible with God. There was a scandal in Mary being pregnant. But to me, the bigger scandal is a God wanting to put on human flesh, come into this earthly realm, know what it's like to get tired and be hungry and be angry and live a life that we could never live and never say a mumbling word after everything that he's going through. Mary said that she would accept whatever the Lord wanted. And because she said that she would accept whatever the Lord wanted, we go from a baby in a manger to a full-grown man who was wounded for our transgressions. 
bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace is upon us, and by his stripes we are healed. We go from singing about a little drummer boy beating on his drum to a grown savior man sitting here beating death hell and the grave. We can sing about the silent night, but we got to also be able to realize that our Savior died and he is risen and he is coming again because of that. And his name will never end. And because his name will ever end, he's got a name that every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, a name that's above every name. There is a name I'd love to hear. I'd love to sing his work. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice that knows that there's a Jesus that loves him? Is there anybody under the sound of my voice that knows that Jesus was willing to come on this earth and die for our sins so that we can have access to heaven? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.